Okay, so you know I love good wordplay. And Third Love is crushing their wordplay here. When you have a bra that pinches or slips or just isn't comfortable at all or is comfortable but isn't your style, you've got problems. <laughs> How excited was Third Love when they thought of problems? Well done, Third Love. I see you. When you wear Third Love bras, you've got no problems. They fix the problem of size exclusivity with their famous half-cup sizes that revolutionized the industry by giving more options to find a bra that fits. And they fixed the problem of guessing what bra will fit you with their virtual fitting room and other helpful guides. A bra size chart, a bra 101 education section that's basically an FAQ for all your burning questions, and a ton of great reviews from real people. My sister just texted me, 99 problems, but pinching <laughs> isn't one. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this, there is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth and you won't have to worry about tearing. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Hello to our favorite people in all the world. <laughs> you. How did you just burp? <laughs> okay, our dogs are here, so bear with us a little bit. There is a reason for that. There is a reason that our dogs are crawling on our lap right now. Um, here's what we're talking about today. As many of you may have noticed, sister, hi, sissy. Hi. Um, has been on a mission. I feel like since we started this podcast, I think sister has been on a serious spiritual mission since this podcast began. Yeah. Right. We're, all, we're talking about everything. Yeah. We're taught we're, we have forced her we're forcing to her talk to, about her life. Yep. Yeah, to diagnose <laughs> and treat and, our own selves. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it is a, a whole thing when you have to start digging in. And anyway, sister decided along the way that she would like to have more life in her life, right? This yep. is a question. Where is the life in our lives? Sister decided that she might, even her achieving type A alpha self, would also like to have some delight and joy. Yeah. Right? Is that, is, am, am I saying that correctly? Well, I mean... <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, um, it's less like 
aspirational and more just desperation, more just like it's not working for me. So mm. what am am I desperate enough to consider alternatives? Because mm. yes. because I might I might have reached the bottom of where this particular life is going to take. Me. OK, so, you know, on this podcast, that's fair. We are less inspirational and aspirational <laughs> and more desperational. <laughs> desperation. Hashtag desperation. Hashtag, hashtag. We are less committed to wellness and more committed to just less dying slowly inside. Yeah. Correct? It's less. Yeah. Okay. It's just. That's okay. Correct. But you felt open, open to possible avenues of more delight. Would you say mm-hmm. that? You felt your little Grinch heart. Mm-hmm. preparing yeah. to expand three sizes. Yeah. I thought, you know, clearly the calculations that I've made here to four have only gotten <laughs> me here to four. Okay. So I am open to the idea that maybe out of an abundance of data suggesting there might be another way. <gasps> okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at that point, here we are going along on our lives and then your whole family comes to our family in California for the holidays for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I would say about your children when they arrive, <laughs> what would you say about my children? <laughs> well, one thing that I would say about my unbelievably fantastic niece and nephew are that when they see our dogs, yeah, mm-hmm. all they do is lose their little damn minds for two weeks. Hattie, who is our little golden doodle type dog, is is thrilled by this. Mm-hmm. She has people to play with her. Mm-hmm. It's just so happy. Honey, our French bulldog, well, she feels otherwise. Well, right. maybe. I right? mean, I think that- She's more just like reigning queen. Like yeah. She's like, I grace you with my presence. She's also smaller than Hattie, so you can pick Honey up. Right. And so this is where <laughs> Alice and, and Bobby, they'll just, they'll, they'll, they'll take her, they'll maneuver her. They'll, right. They'll, they play with her as if she's the not live dog, more like she's a doll. Right. And then, so we watch, so Honey's on depression watch when they're here. Right? <laughs> okay. She's just, she's just getting poked and prodded for a couple of weeks. She but, loves it though. But just so everyone understands the context, like my kids are so obsessed with your animals that we bought Alice a special uh, locket a couple of years ago. And I told her she could pick any member of the family, any family picture she wanted to put in there, any, anything that made her the happiest. And she unequivocally and very quickly said, Oh, I will have a picture of honey. Yes. So the bulldog. So, and anything in life that brought her joy and made her feel connected and loved. And she picked your dog. So now she has a locket with your dog in it. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And so when you were here, we ended up talking a lot about the possibility of one day you all getting a dog and 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 you've always felt open. Well, you felt a teeny bit open to it because John's your husband has been raised was was raised with German shepherds and dogs. But I think you had this real feeling that you you're still in the chaos of young children, like mm-hmm. the chaos, the freaking dripping with children, no minutes, no bodily autonomy, <laughs> no sanity moments. Tell us how you felt about the idea of adding a dog to your family. Well, it felt like, you know, someone who's doggy paddling just to stay afloat 
about to drown and then say you handed them a dog. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it felt. It felt like, oh, good. So I'm barely making it. Why don't you put a dog on top of my, you know, not so buoyant body? But um, (laughs) that's how I felt. But I I did feel resigned to it because it was probably our third date. The first time that I had met um, John's mom and she the first thing she said to me was, well, Amanda, I hope you know that if uh, you married John, you're going to have to have a dog. Like it was like out of the gate. So wow. I think, wow. oh, it was meant in like just love. Well, and, of you know, course, with no, yeah, leading yeah. with that though. I'm just saying yeah. like that, that's like a, yeah. that's like a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, wow. it has felt like that. So I was kind of resigned to it. Mm-hmm. But if you would ever have told me that I would, you know, intentionally elect to cohabitate with an animal, except (laughs) under like resigned duress. Right. I would tell you, you have me confused (laughs) with someone who is a little easy breezy. So it didn't feel so much like an election. It just kind of felt like, well, that has to happen. And so what what happened was (laughs) I, I kept telling my kids since they were two, Oh, eventually in a few years, in a few years when you're old enough. And at one point, maybe when they were quite young, I said, apparently (laughs) to Bobby, when you're 10, because it felt millions of miles away. Exactly. But then unfortunately what happened was he is nine and a half right now. And he reminded me of that. So don't it note, was coming. Note to listeners who have young children, you never put a number no, 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 on a no promise. Ages. Yes. You mm. keep it ambiguous. You are not going mm-hmm. in five minutes. You're not going to be there in five minutes. You're not going to get a dog when they're 10. You're not you you're going to do it mm-hmm. sometime. Right. Yeah, maybe sometime. Maybe. Sometime, perhaps. maybe perhaps. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> we'll see. Means hell to the no. Right. Okay. But but I feel this like little creaking of the dog door open because I can Mm -hmm. see a little bit with you when I see a little you're usually a yes or a hell no so when I see any wavering Mm -hmm. I feel oh there's there's hope there's hope hell hath no fury like Glennon Doyle whom which has now (laughs) found a little slice of a door ajar yeah, there was yes. no, there was no oh database. Y'all, she pulled out the computer, was doing researching research. for shelters for baby it's German what we shepherds. talked about during the Christmas holiday, during the holidays. So yes, I believe the door was a, a tiny bit ajar. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, it's happening. Because if not now, when? Exactly. If not me, who? Right? <laughs> so it's out there. It's out there. It's coming. So it's time. It's not like they're going to be seniors in high school. We're going to be like, well, now you get a dog. Right. So. So we, we started actually talking about it. And then the week we got home from the holidays, my sweet neighbor, who's amazing, who she found me, my kids therapist, she found me their like educational diagnostic people. She found (sighs) me my therapist. She just like the, she giveth unto me good things. (laughs) And She brings a lot to the table. God, I love friends like that. You just know you can call them and they're going to know everything. And they're just like with a light hand, but just, you know, I'm struggling with this. Okay. I got your person and I'm going to help you out. And so she texts me out of the blue. She knows nothing about the context. And she says, I have the perfect dog for your family. So this is the moment where you think 
if you're waiting for a sign, mm-hmm. here's a sign. Okay. And of course, because what I do in those situations where I'm given signs is I say, look, an eagle. And it, I try to run in the other direction. I know you so, called me and you're like, my friend said, I have the perfect dog for you. What do you think? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I think? What are you waiting for the dog to actually arrive in your bed with a bow around it? Like, yes, this is the sign. So I ignored that text from her. And then like a week later, she said, are you just going to ignore the text where I said I have the perfect dog for you? And so I said, okay, tell me about the dog. So she fosters and love, love, and so many shout outs to all of the doggy foster people in the world. I mean, it's such a beautiful gift to, to protect these little ones after they're, you know, going through these big transitions. So she is fostering this dog. She loves this dog. She thinks he's perfect for our family. We say, okay, can we meet the dog? Mm -hmm. We meet the dog. We start spending a lot of time with the dog. (laughs) It's like a relationship. It is. It is. You're dating. So cute. And I become much to my surprise. (laughs) utterly obsessed with the dog. I love him. I love him so much. We go through this whole process where we try to adopt him. I am sweating so much. I am, I have to write a letter to the, you have to have a home study adoption, a home study to come to my house. I make my kids. I'm like, be normal. Don't no one be weird. Everyone act the way loving normal people. act. I'm, I'm so nervous. And We do the whole thing and they ask us lots of questions. They referrals. They call. Oh my God. Yeah. They have to like call for character references. Who did you use for character references? Did you have neighbors or like, cause no one called me. Nobody called us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I, yeah, a friend and a neighbor I used and then they, said yes. And, and now got, who do you have and now? We have Seamus, <laughs> the golden retriever. He is one year and seven months old. Aww. He is so precious. He had an original owner that could not care for him anymore. And so then he went to my neighbor's house and then he came here and he is amazing. Aww. I love him. And so we have both seen flashes of delight in you since this little dog came. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us, because actually it, it, when you, cause I think we wait until our lives are under control to add absurd, delightful things. We think joy, mm-hmm. absurdity, delight, n- unproductive, just nonsense. <laughs> is mm-hmm. for when everything else is is under control. So we have that feeling where we're like, I'm treading water. I can't add a dog. But it didn't end up feeling like somebody put a dog in your hands while you were trying to not to drown. What does it feel more like? I mean, it feels more like a reason to go play in the pool. Oh, yeah. You know, it just feels, it feels, see, this is, it reminds me of the friendship episode when it's like, who the hell has time for friends when you don't even have time for the bazillion things in your life and it's all too much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh wait, no, that's exactly why we need friendship because somehow when you add lovely soul affirming things to your life, it makes the rest of it less heavy. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and I just feel like, I don't know. It's so interesting. I had therapy yesterday and my therapist was talking about how we as people, it's like we each have these essential selves, but then we have all this armor we put around us. Mm -hmm. And then the people in our lives, they have their essential selves, but then they have all the armor. So when we're bumping into those people, it's just armor bumping into armor. Mm -hmm. Like we're never like getting to the essential. And I realized I'm sure there was a bigger lesson for me in my life for it, but I just kept thinking about Seamus and I'm like, that's it. That's what's so much. He's just his essential being all the time. Mm -hmm. He's just what he is just going about (laughs) being exactly who he is at all times. And it's silly and nonsensical, but, but there's no armor around any of it. And that is disarming. Yes. It puts you in a different place. Uh-huh. And I think there's certain people like this in our lives, but very, very rare. Like, mm-hmm. Abby, I actually think you are, of all the people I know, the most mm-hmm. regularly, essentially yourself. Oh like, gosh. I think that's what is so magnetic about you. Like, that's why you're irresistible <gasps> to yeah. anyone around you is because you are your essential being all a vast majority of the time. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just, there's, I think animals and the very rare people like that, that we interact with, it's just so magnetic. Maybe that's why I connect so well with dogs. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) I think that like, that's such a beautiful point to see because, you know, dogs to me have, or pets have this unique ability to interrupt what's going on in your life. And, mm-hmm. and both good and bad, right? Like there's some times where I'm pissed that honey, like peed on the wood, the floor. She does pee a lot. But like <laughs> at the end of the day, the interruption is almost always like really welcomed. Yeah. Because whatever mm-hmm. you, else you were worrying about or doing was kind of bullshit. It's and like, like they don't talk to you. So you have to actually create this dialogue of like <laughs> what they're thinking, what you think their experience is. That's what I do. I'm like, oh, she's cold. All we do is talk about oh, what they're thinking. And for sure, they're not thinking any of the things. She's feeling this. Yeah. Look at her. She's so <laughs> mad at us that we left. Look at her. She's so. She's yeah. so sad. Look at her, her. Oh, my God. Hattie just looked at us in this really funny, sad way. I, the I projection of the emotions projection. on the dogs it's is something. hilarious. John walked in the other day. I was on the floor. I'm so worried about, you know, Seamus's uh, st- emotional stability. <laughs> yes. And it's because he got left after Mm -hmm. a year and a half of his life. So I'm on the floor saying, we're we're never going to leave you. You have a home here forever. You can just lay down that burden of worry about. And John walks in and he's like, yeah, you've never had dogs before. With the 2024 games in Paris on the horizon, I've gotten nostalgic about my international career. And when I look back, there are a few things I would have done differently to make sure I made the most of my time abroad. And one of those things was to learn a non-English language more fully. A daunting task, yes, but a much easier one when you consider that Rosetta Stone can get you fast language acquisition through their intuitive 
research-based dynamic immersion approach. That's why they're the most trusted language learning program and have been for years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Whether it's Dutch, Arabic, or Chinese, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, We Can Do Hard Things listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash we can. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash we can today. Remember when Craig and I got Theo from the shelter, Theo now lives right with Craig down the street, also our dog. Um, they, I went, we went and found Theo the, and Theo we knew belonged to us, but then we had to leave because they had to do all the checks. And then they told me we need another day because we're going to clean him all up. Do you remember this? Oh, yes. You were so upset. And I was so upset. Don't you clean him first. I don't want him to learn that he has to be like fancy and clean before his family takes him. We will take him dirty. Thank you. That's right. And then Uh, we went and got him and we were like, ew. Why didn't you guys clean him? (laughs) And now with Honey and Hattie, I just feel strongly that both of these dogs... Are the only people who truly understand me. People, by the way. And also, <laughs> they have taught me, they teach me everything about unconditional love. Okay? Oh, yeah. Because in different ways. All right. Hattie, the golden doodle thing. Amazing. She's, I'm staring at her right now. She teaches me about unconditional love because she loves everyone unconditionally. It doesn't matter like if you've been gone for one second or a week, it doesn't matter if you're, she just is in so much love, so much affection, just her energy is, I love you. I love you. I love you. And so I learned how to be unconditionally loved from her. And with honey, the bulldog, I learned how to love something unconditionally who doesn't give a crap about me. <laughs> it's like, it's a gift of unrequited love. It, it is. <laughs> it's like, I. Ha- she really only loves me because I'm warm. It's conditioned. It's The conditions are, mm-hmm. are you a warm body? Like like temperature wise. Exactly. Like not, it's no, not, just, right. just like, do you have sweatpants on that are soft and cozy? What are you bringing to the table, Doyle? Yeah, that's it. Or are you, do you have food for me? Do you feed me? Other than that, she's a cat. So I have to learn how to love her unconditionally, not based on how she treats me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's like absolute opposites, but they're both teaching me. And, And the one thing that I'll say that I appreciate so much about dogs is that in this world where it feels like I'm always earning my worthiness based on like how much I do, how busy I am, what I can give you, what I, whatever, how, how we all feel, what I'm bringing to the table, what I'm, what I've done for you lately, like that, that feeling of, I always have to be producing to, to feel like I have, you know, earned my right to exist on the earth. The dogs are the only beings 
that I feel love me more the less I do. Oh, yeah. Well, because you're sitting on the couch. Yes. Whenever you're on the couch, (laughs) they're right there. Their best day for me, they're heaven. Mm -hmm. They're like, you're the best dog mom in the entire world. (laughs) Would be if I sort of woke up, not really, didn't shower, sat Mm -hmm. back on the couch, didn't move all day, (sighs) and then went to bed again. Yeah. That would be Mm -hmm. their this is the best person in the universe. And there's something that is so healing about this. Like they are a walking invitation, a walking reminder to play and to rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to get fresh air. Right. Because they're going, right. Because your couch story assumes that Abby is taking them out for a walk at That's some point. Right. But, but <laughs> it's true. And I do, I get it. It's because I feel like as a person who, lives by a spreadsheet and where it's hard to stop or slow down. I feel like what Seamus is proving is that nonsensical things are important. Like when you actually do the spreadsheet, when you're like, okay, their food and care costs many, many dollars. Low so many dollars. They require a commitment of a lot of time Mm -hmm. and structure and planning the, and then on like the deposits column. Oh God. There's like nothing quantifiable. Nothing makes sense about the spreadsheet, but just their being and they're just kind of the delight that they offer is makes it just a resounding yes, even though the spreadsheet says no. So my religion of the spreadsheet and there being logical, <laughs> quantifiable things, it kind of ruins my religion yeah. because I'm like, this thing doesn't make any damn sense, but yet I need it very much. Mm-hmm. Dogs will destroy your capitalistic <laughs> productivity religion. I think that like what is so valuable to me about a dog is that they constantly are this mirror of like, oh, just be here, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. not living in their past. They're not living in their future. They're just like right here, right now, all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, sometimes it's annoying when they like want something right now. But at the end of the day, it's like such a good for me. They put the be in the being like they do. They're just Mm -hmm. like right here, right now, all the time. And that is when I'm at my happiest. And then cats. Oh, don't get me started. Listen, with cats. so Abby does not appreciate a cat. Well, I'm I allergic. I'm appreci- allergic to cats. I think cats. she just says she is, so we definitely can't get one. No, I'm very allergic <laughs> to cats. Okay, well. The cat dander makes me sneeze. Mm-hmm. I, are you physically or spiritually allergic? Physically. Okay. So I appreciate a cat, okay? And I think it's because in, <laughs> in life, Abby's more of a dog. Mm-hmm. But a, cats, they are badass with their boundaries. They are not trying mm-hmm. to please anybody. Mm-hmm. They, right? We had cats growing They're up. They're always sister. judging. They're always exactly. looking at me and, and, and judging me. And all that. I want to do is be like, what? <laughs> cats are the loveys They're the loveys of the animals. Of what? The animal do, kingdom. do better, people. <laughs> yes. Do better. Yes, and I appreciate that. So they're not trying to please, but they're also cozy. We, we grew up with cat after cat after cat. Do you remember when Gummy, Gumdrop, I got to name that cat. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had a litter of kittens in my closet. Mm-hmm. And something 
happened, Gumdrop decided not to feed one of them. It was like this little runty runt and Gumdrop mm-hmm. was like over it. I now understand Gumdrop's right. resistance and, and right. protest. I mean, it's exactly. hard not to feel that way about your second. It was like her sixth. Exactly. She's like, oh, hell no. Yes. Five is my limit. Yes. And so there was this one kitten that was not thriving. And do you, I think I you and me that. or me and a friend. No, it was just, it was just you. And you had a friend over that night that they were born, but you made it your life's mission to bring this little kitty along. And she wouldn't have lived. No. And with a you just, eyedropper and eye- you had an eyedropper of milk and you fed that thing every single day and you kept and remember it wouldn't grow it wouldn't it grow. was like perfect it was like kitten size for its whole life and so yes. it was perfect because it was but it was bat shit crazy oh yeah she and lost so some, she lost awesome. some brain action i think in the beginning oh she was amazing but, but don't you remember amazing. how wild she was she would attack everybody but me Mm-hmm. Dad couldn't feed her because she'd I mean, just go crazy and attack him. It sounds like a, a, a foreshadowing for your life. Yeah, some kind of metaphor. And, and, and we yeah. named her Miracle. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet Miracle. I loved Miracle. I loved Miracle. But it's true, Abby, what you were saying, because I feel like there's so many points where theoretically throughout our day and our lives, we'd be appreciate little moments we could be going around being like, oh, look at that smile. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. We could see anything as beautiful and special. But this having a a vehicle of like a furry, precious, lovely thing kind of like it forces you. Yes. Your yeah. attention into the moments that you would otherwise That's right. miss. And it gives everybody in the family this. I feel like in our family, the dogs are also like a pressure release valve. You're just staring at each other all day. And you're like, mm. we want to talk about at, real like, stuff. Too. We're talking about stuff, looking at each other, judging each other, trying to figure <laughs> each other out. Like, like, how are you feeling? kids? And also like, what's wrong you with you? Feel? What's wrong with it? And then the dog comes and everybody gets to shift literally their gaze <sighs> Look, from each other. Yeah. Yes. To the dog. And it's just right. this release valve of intensity to joy. Yeah. Or stress. Yes. I mean, honestly, the, our dogs are always peeing, always going in the trash. I mean, it's also, it's not all ro- roses. No, it's not all roses, but it's worth it. Totally. Even even the peeing and the, the trash eating and the barking with Hattie, it's worth it. Like the amount of times that we look at each other and the dogs are on our bed, are yeah, we have in no our bed. We no have no boundaries, boundaries. Mm-hmm. and and we're like, I love them so. Like, and our our teeth are. You eat are, them. We're, we're like, I love them so uh-huh, much. Uh-huh. Like, what is that? What the? Why frick? do we want to eat them? That's I mean, it's so a, weird. We have a beast in our bed. Yeah, we have a beast in our bed. Yeah, and we're happy. It's an about animal. It. And you should know but, that we have trained them to sleep with their heads on the pillow between us. They sleep like human beings. <laughs> <laughs> it's a row of Doyle Doyle Wombach, like. It's Abby, then Hattie, then Honey, then me. And then during the night, I move I move Honey over to the other side of Abby because she snores so loud. Oh, it's so And good. now we have a new animal. Well, here is where things get a little wild. You're mm-hmm. even surprising yourself. Yes. The absurdity of dogs for us. Gateway. They're gateway. Is there a gateway? Uh-huh. Pet. And I've always been anti, I've always been pro-dog. Anti everything else. Yes. Especially mm-hmm. rodents, especially 
especially snakes and rodents. Okay. Those mm-hmm. and I I send all of the rodents and snakes love, but they're just it's just not for me. It's just not right. my jam. Right. Well, Tish, she comes to us recently and she said, you know what? You know what my life is missing? My life is missing a hamster. And mm. and she knows us as parents very well. And so mm-hmm. she is, you know, informing and educating the three of us. And she's also telling us why she needs it. Tish is the one who, like, six years after the divorce will still explain that perhaps she forgot her book report because of the trauma of a broken family. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She knows. She's so smart. she told us that she was feeling, like, lonely, and so she needed a hamster. Yeah, she, just, she, she played all of our buttons. Yeah, she approaches us, and she has what, what feels like a little bit like of a, a report, like a, a school report. Oh, like, yes. here is how long the hamster lives. All, mm-hmm. And also Benefits. She, she fibbed on that. She said only one year. Yeah. And this one lives <laughs> two. We get to the freaking, we decide, okay, we're going to do this. No, no, no. First you said absolutely not. Of course. And but, then four days later, well, we're no. at this pet store. No, <laughs> we say absolutely you can do this at Craig's house. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Craig and, I, Craig and I are texting back and forth, like negotiating the crap out of this not hamster it, situation. Not it. Exactly, exactly. And so we've decided as a family that that hamster is going to live at Craig's house. Well, I don't know how this I happens. I don't know either. Tish decides that she needs the hamster now and the hamster is now having to live in our house. Because mm-hmm. of the divorce, probably. Because of the divorce. Yeah. So we go to the freaking store. We get this hamster biscuit the hamster we get all the things the whole damn family goes Mm -hmm. and now the hamster is living at our house and And how do you feel about the hamster babe okay so here's the deal with with biscuit new rodent i call her beatrix we call her beatrix i freaking love this thing i when when tish goes and and is at craig's house i sit and i watch her this thing is a, a knock did you know I didn't know hamsters were nocturnal. Like, I actually don't know what the point of her is because she's just up during the night and Mm -hmm. not at all during the day. So there's like one hour between, by the time we go to, we're like in bed that she might wake up. Nine to 10, nine to 10. Nine to 10 PM that I just sit there and I'm watching her and Tish does bath bonding time. So Tish and the hamster. So what I'm trying to, what we're trying to tell you Pod squad. Watch out for is the that dogs. From nine to ten. First of all, we used to go to bed at nine. Okay. Now, from nine to ten, I am in my bed reading. And if you need to find Abby, you have to go to Tish's room, even when Tish is not here, even when she's at Craig's. Abby is sitting cross legged in front of a cage that's Love on the it. floor. Love that thing. In the dark. I just wanted to come out for and me. And she's staring, waiting for Biscuit to peek her little biscuit head out. Unless, of course. Tish is home. When Tish is home, Abby stares with Tish from 9-9-30. And then Tish brings the hamster into the only <laughs> bathtub that is a that exists in our home, which is in my bathroom. And Tish and the hamster sit in our bathtub for half an hour. What it's are they so, even doing in there? There's just bath bed. It's called the bath time bonding. bonding. But like what's so fun. Does it flow? No, 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 no water, no water, no water. There's no water on it. It's just an enclosed space. So, so as the hamster doesn't like crawl into the crevice of a room and go away forever. So this is a safe, a safe place. But I do think it's, 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 it's a perfect 
example of what pets do to a family because my one my one sacred safe space, right? Mm-hmm. When I do when I get into the bathtub now, there's hamster shit in it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> no, Tish cleans it up. No, she, she cleans it up. A and B. Here's what I'll say about this little hamster. And I think the real reason why I love it. It's because this child worked really hard to convince us. She did. And I love this child. Yes, you do. So much. I love our children so much that when she comes into our room and talks about the love that she has for this biscuit, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a grand animal. She's our grand hamster. I, she's our grand hamster, and I our first love it. grand our first grand. I love this thing as if it's my own because it kind of is, and because we've watched her. I mean, Tish, you know how she is. She would not. She came into our room each night and talked about how she's fostering trust between her and the hamster. She would never pick her up because she she needed to earn the hamster coming to her. It was very, she was Don't trying you to accept go in that the room. hamster for who the hamster was. Don't and you not, go in that room, she said. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, don't you go in that room, Abby. I'm like, all right, well. And then, of course, I got to get in there just to see. If yeah, she, you do sneak in Well, because I think that all animals are going to love me the most. You do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I understand it's unhealthy. It's so good. It's so good. Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidalre, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. All right, let's, we have some um, questions from the Pet Squad about their pet. Great. Let's hear some pet cues from the Pod Squatters. Hi, my name is Leah. I'm calling in because I'm really excited about something. My dog, Stella, and I are going to go to our first group class to work on some issues that she has. We've been doing a training program for a while now, and we've done some private lessons, but this is our first group class, and I'm really scared and excited about it. I just love Stella so much. She's such a sweet dog, but she just has a lot of issues whenever we go outside. She Stella just feels all of the things. She is so affectionate and loving, but she gets so scared and anxious when we go outside. But we're working through it because I want her to be able to go out into the world with me. And I just wanted to call and tell you about that because she's 
on my island, and I love her a lot. I'd love to hear more about your guys' relationship with Honey and Hattie and any other pets that you've had. Thanks. Bye. Leah is Stella's emotional support human. And you know what? She, you know who Stella reminds me of? Who? My beautiful wife. (laughs) She just feels so much. She's so lovely, but then she goes out into the world and she's so nervous and scared. Yeah. I'm glad that Stella's getting some group therapy. Um, I just wish she would still just be able to go to her private lessons. Like it's so I love that she said that she's on my island because we have received so many messages from people that are saying, you know, my animal is the closest thing to me. And I think that that is beautiful. And I feel like there's kind of a cultural kind of like in the um, Friends episode where we talked about, you know, you get a divorce and everyone's like, oh, I'm so sorry. But then you break up with your best friend and the world is like moving right along. Mm -hmm. I just want to say out loud that there's so many people for whom their connection to their animals is their deepest, most profound, the love story of their life, the love story, the love story of their life. That's right. It's Mm -hmm. a real thing. And I feel like we kind of belittle it a little bit, but there's honestly, when you look at like the actual research, people should not be belittling it. Dogs actually, and animals, pets that you love, they actually increase your oxytocin. Mm -hmm. They make you less stressed out. They increase the way that you um, socialize in the world, that Mm -hmm. like people socialize more in the world who have animals Mm -hmm. that don't. They handle stress better. They have lower blood pressure. I mean, when's the last time a friendship did that for you? I'm just saying, you might want to check. Well, it's It's, like if we're basing our our all, all over health and wellness on physicality, and it, all those mm-hmm. things you just said, scientifically, the animals make us make our lives better. But also, there's no spiritual tradition that at the heart of it doesn't say, okay, the way to the way is presence. Yes. That's it. Like, that's it. That's what everybody's saying mm-hmm. in all of the, mm-hmm. in all, love and presence, presence and love, mm-hmm. loving presence. That's what every spiritual tradition tells us is the answer. And dogs and animals that's what they're forcing us into. That's right. Is loving presence. Huh. It's that William Martin quote, do not ask your children to strive for extraordinary lives. Such striving may seem admirable, but it is the way of foolishness. Help them instead to find the wonder and the marvel of an ordinary life. Show them the joy of tasting tomatoes, apples, and pears. Show them how to cry when pets and people die. Show them the infinite pleasure in the touch of a hand and make the ordinary come alive for them. The extraordinary will take care of itself. Yeah. It's like, that's what I feel like they do. It's kind of like when you're doing meditation, bring your breath back, bring your breath back, bring your breath back. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's what I feel like Seamus does for me. You know, I'm so busy seeing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And him being there is like, bring your presence back to this moment because Aww. I'm licking your face. Bring That's your presence so back good. to this moment because I need you to pull on this rope. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter yeah. all these other things. The meditation thing is so interesting because I was actually, this happens to me all the time. I'm meditating uh, just recently, meditating upstairs and Hattie, she's thinks she's a guard dog. So she's sitting by the window and she's freaking out. She's freaking mm-hmm. out. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to meditate and Hattie is looking out our window and freaking out because she thinks that the 
person who's walking by our house is attacking us. So mm-hmm. she's just distracting us from this beautiful meditation because she thinks she's under attack. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, in meditation, Pema Chodron always says, the obstacle in the path is the path. Mm-hmm. So when my dog interrupts me because she's freaking out because she doesn't think she's safe, in my meditation, I try to think, okay, not like you're so annoying, you're messing up my meditation, but this is my meditation for the day. How is Hattie interrupting me because she's scared? My meditation. And to me, the answer is, I'm saying to Hattie, why are you freaking out? You're totally safe. We're in this beautiful moment. I've got this. Mm. And the God of whoever, all of our understanding, the universe is looking at me and saying, why are you always freaking out? Mm. We're in this beautiful moment. You're safe. Mm. Like you don't mm. have to guard your house. I've got this. You're safe. Mm. That's good. And why your God is saying to you, why do you I send all of this into your life and you interpret every passerby as a potential threat. Intruder yes. and threat. And you're always barking, Glennon. You are always afraid. So you're always barking. When you could be just laying around in the sun in this house that is safe. Wow. wow. Tell you what, my meditations go quite different. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Damn. It's All right, let's so hear from good. this next caller. <laughs> that was good. Thank you, baby. I was listening to your podcast last night as I was driving home from the 24-hour vet emergency for, you know, another crazy dog emergency. And it got me home at four in the morning without crashing. So it definitely kept me awake and entertained. But my question for you is, how do you deal with hard things with pets? You know, we get gifted these incredible animals into our lives that become part of our family. And I don't have kids, so (laughs) I definitely have the fur babies. And you just fall so deeply in love with them. And you also know it's, it's a short, short time. And... So, yeah, I guess I was just curious as to what your relationship is with pets and how you hold on to that connection, knowing that it's shorter than most human connections. What do you do with the grief around all of that? Like, what what do you find helpful? So, anyway, I love you guys. You're wonderful. And please keep doing all the beautiful work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Bye. I think Sissy's crying. Are you crying over there? I just don't. I, I I've never question. been through that. She just like got, I, she that just sounds, got Seamus. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's Ugh. the question. That's yeah. the question, right? I'm, I'm thinking about the first experience that we had with animals and death was usually, I feel like most parents who are resisting fur animals because they feel like they're treading too much water. We start with fish. Mm-hmm. that's what our family did. We started with fish. Right. We were like, no, that's you- the reverse gateway too, yes. because, you know, I bought three years of non-dog time by having fish. Too. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, yeah. hold, it's a hold off. It's a dam. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So we bought fish. We had three little beta fish that were in different little, what are they called? Teeny aquariums. They were in each of the kids' rooms. This is when we were like real heavy, like Jesus-y. I am not kidding the the, the 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 fish's names were jesus mary and joseph oh, i did not name my them my gosh are you kidding me no i haven't even told you this whole thing so she emma had jesus tish had mary and chase had joseph um, <laughs> did jesus just appear yeah. from mary without joseph 
<laughs> so like, was it two aquariums? And then it's like, Mary, under her. Exactly. Jesus is given. <laughs> so weird, you guys. And you had to move him? Unexplainable. And and Mary, the fish was like, dude, I swear to God, I did not have fish sex. <laughs> I did not have fish sex. I swear to like, you. Jesus. Side-eyeing Mary for the yeah. first couple of days. And he's like, all right. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph the fish was like, I uh, freaking knew it. This is my freaking favorite thing that it. has ever happened on our podcast. Right anyway, here. just happened. so we've got Jesus, Mary, and Joseph was going fine for a little while. And my friends had their kids over and all, they were all running around upstairs in the kids' bedrooms, all the little ones. And I hear screaming from upstairs. And Emma is little, her little voice is screaming, Mom, Jesus is dead. Jesus is dead. Okay, over and over again. So we run upstairs oh and God. poor little Peyton, Emma's friend, has poured the whole fish food into the aquarium. And so Jesus has indeed gorged Jesus' self so much that Jesus is in fact dead and floating. And and for sure, Emma's waiting for it to resurrect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. This promise is real. Yeah, for sure. Emma's like, this story is not yet over. (laughs) Right. It's the Friday. Exactly. It's Friday. First the pain, then the waiting, oh then my, the rising, right? But God. in fact, Jesus the fish was not going to rise. And so mm. this was the first real conversation that we had to have as a family. And about religion. About. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was tricky. But, you know, really just talking about what is the point? I mean, I remember mm-hmm. saying, Chase, like, what is the point? They just die. We love them and then they die. And it was speaking to this larger point of like, what is the point of loving at all? And mm-hmm. I really remember the five of us just coming to the idea of we do not love because it lasts forever. Because if we did that, we would all be fools. Mm-hmm. We would all be wrong. We would all be wasting our our time because it will never in fact last forever. But we love because the process of loving something changes us. Yes. Because the process, the doing of it, the, the loving and being loved creates this growth in us mm-hmm. that leaves us different and better and wholer and more beautiful when it ends, mm-hmm. after it ends. Right. But so maybe was, that love doesn't even really ever end. I still love the dog that I had from years and years ago. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't end. Yeah. The relationship doesn't fully end. Everything we love will transform in some way or another over the lifespan. But it's so compressed with our little animals that. Again, with the presence, it's it's present in your head the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know. Yes. I think that um, yes, you know. it's like it's like death and training and we get to practice hopefully throughout the whole of our life with these pets to start learning about death and understanding what it, the mm-hmm. relationship we personally have with it so that we can prep for the death of our you know parents or or our loved ones like I just think yeah it is I mean what a what like I don't know if there's a more beautiful lesson you can teach and it's just so interesting to me that for us, these dogs and this hamster, um, are going to help us and teach our kids 
Exactly. Because it also, I don't know how to do it. I certainly don't know what's right and wrong, but I know what feels uh, tempting to me when uh, an animal is lost. What's tempting to me is what's tempting to me with everything that my kids go through that's painful, which is, um, it's okay. And look an eagle and here's a new one and don't feel any of it and moving on. You know, all of these Mm -hmm. things we do where we're replacing the animal really fast or we're like, you know, distracting them or we're telling them that it went to live on a farm somewhere or we're, Mm -hmm. we're lying and lying and lying so that they don't feel the loss of loss. And for me, it's an opportunity to resist that and to trust that to, to show them ritual, right? To like give a container to grief, to give a a, a a vehicle to it. Okay, yeah, now we sit sadly and we don't know. We don't know. We say we don't know. We don't mm-hmm. necessarily, if we don't believe it, make up a bunch of stories about what is happening. We don't know. And then we sit and we don't know together. Mm-hmm. And we feel sad together. And then we create some sort of ritual to help us move through our grief. And I think that the same, you know, it, it, it is practice for human loss, but it also is its own real loss. Yes. Like that is a very yeah. real loss. That's and right. I think, you know, I, I didn't grow up with dogs, but John was one of five kids. And it's so interesting how when that family gets together, I feel like a lot of the portion of the conversation revolve, they're all different ages. They span this gap, but they have the glue reminds me of untamed Elmer's. It's like the glue that connects their experiences through these various times where they were different ages and different stages is what dog Mm -hmm. was at the center of their family during, during any time period. And they get together and they talk about those times with the dog. And so, and this is, you know, 40 years later, Mm. you know, the dog we had then, then the dog we had then and silly, they actually tell stories all the time about it. So I feel like it's a really acknowledging the glue that is the, these animals in our families and how that continuity can still be alive years later is really special. And it's like mm-hmm. the center. Like yeah. we think of pets as like the app. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a wheel, a wheel right now when you're talking. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of how we think of pets as like, you know, they're on the outside with us, but maybe the pet is the center. The yeah. dog is the center because it's like everybody gets to have their own separate relationship with the dog too. Oh, and mm-hmm. every kid gets kind of what they need. You know, the, a yeah. kid who needs to play and be engaged. You know, a kid, I, I remember the cats like a sensitive kid who like feels so much at school and can't connect with people at mm-hmm. school, but then comes home to their safe place with the dog. It's like the dog turns out kind of to be the center mm-hmm. of the wheel. Because it's the only part of the wheel that is consistently its essential nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, when I get with my, you know, son, I love him so much, but I, have, I bring so much fear and anxiety about his future and what's going on here and what's going on there that there is inevitably some of my armor pushing his armor at all times, as sad as it makes me feel mm-hmm. like, but with the same with my husband, but mm-hmm. the dog is the only one in the family who is strictly as essential nature. Mm-hmm. So when that's the case, people can come and get what they need mm-hmm. and have this genuine connection. Yeah. 
Pod Squad. Some of what we share with you on the show are our individual unique experiences in therapy and the takeaways that help us grow, appreciate each other, and navigate this beautiful life we're doing together. Thank you for doing it with us. But the things we talk about in therapy itself, these are things we wouldn't necessarily share with just anyone. I think there are a few things more important than finding the right person to share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and questions with like a therapist. That's why we are thrilled about Alma's support of our show. They're big believers that you need the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. Alma helps you to find a therapist who gets you based on your needs, someone with whom you'll feel comfortable, heard, secure. Plus, and this shouldn't be overlooked, over 96% of therapists at Alma accept insurance because you want to pick someone based on the right fit, not just based on finances. You can browse their directory now. You don't even need to create an account. Visit helloalma.com slash hard things to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash hard things. All right, let's hear from Kelsey. Hi, guys. Um, My name is Kelsey. I am a nurse, and my first year I worked in a pediatric ICU that was emotionally traumatizing, physically traumatizing, and uh, threatened the eating disorder recovery I'd worked so hard to maintain. And it took everything in me to quit that job. Um, It's like the first time I did something despite knowing that everybody would look at me differently and possibly think I failed. So that is the best decision I think I've made in a very long time. I love my job now. I'm getting my master's in psychiatric nursing, and I'll be a psych NP in a couple of years. But I just wanted to ask you guys, do you have pets? And if you do, have they, like, changed your mental health at all? I just adopted kittens, and it's been the most mentally well I've been in a long time. Love you guys. Mm, We love you too, Kelsey. First of all, this is such an example of some the bravest thing. The bravest thing is sometimes doing the thing that everyone else will think it's a failure was weak, Mm -hmm. was wimpy. Mm -hmm. That is some brave stuff, Kelsey. And and the, and then you can hear the joy and the freedom in her voice after that decision. It's so awesome. Good yep. for you. Yep. Yeah, I think that my dogs are I would say for sure Lexa Pro and Honey and Hattie <laughs> are the three most consistent yep. um helpers of my mental health, 100%. And I I also think, your wife. Oh, sorry. Yes, also you. <laughs> There's something that for it's interesting that um that Kelsey has an eating disorder recovery story because I think one of the things that's scary about people is that people all have are all conditioned. People all have their own conditioning, their social, gender, all of it, beauty conditioning. And so when you are recovering from something that has so much to do with the way you view yourself and the way the world the world treats you based on how you look, your outer shell. It's not fake that you're always dealing with other people's shit. Mm. You are always dealing with other people's shit. People react to you in certain ways based on how you appear Mm -hmm. in the world. And 
when you are someone who is recovering from an eating disorder, that stuff is not only triggering, but it's obvious. It's way more obvious than it is for other people. It's like, it's like seeing the matrix all the time. So you can see how people react better to you when you look a certain way or not as well to you when you look a certain way. You're worth more because you look the way that the world has told you to, whatever it is, we see it all and feel it all. And dogs are the only beings or animals who don't. There's none of that. Dogs are not socially conditioned. (laughs) To me, that's why my dogs feel like such an incredibly safe place for me Mm. because um, they have not been affected by the world in ways that make them tr- meet them treat me in certain ways that makes me feel unsafe. Right. So yes, Kelsey, and and also you know people like people who have anxiety or conditions that make us overthink everything and get lost in our minds. Dogs are the immediate fix for that, or cats, or because ca- they bring us back to like, okay, I just need to walk and I need to eat. And I need to play and I need to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then that mm-hmm. reminds you, oh yeah. So like really what I need to do is I just need to sleep. I need to eat. <laughs> I need to play. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I probably need to drink more water. Yeah. They bring you back to like the immediate small thinking that like big thinking screws you with. Okay. Let's hear from our pod squatter of the week. Hello, my name is Leah. So I know Alice has the sea turtles and Kish has polar bears. Apparently, my four-year-old son has all the animals in captivity. I recently brought him to the zoo against my better judgment because I was trying to do this progressive parenting thing where I let him make his own choices rather than like just pushing all of my beliefs on him, which I still think that some of them are valid, um, but I still want to give him the space in the room to you know, find his way. Blah, whatever. Well, I'm a single parent, and he saw all the animals, particularly the lions and the tigers, and all he could ask very mildly was, where are their mommies? And I'm going to bust out their cages, and I'm going to bash through those cages. Where are their moms? To which every other child looked at them, looked at their parents, and said, where are their mommies? And so I created an uprising at the National Zoo where many, many toddlers were both confused, sad, mad, crying about where all the animals and mommies are. So we are doing our part to um, untame ourselves as well as apparently untame all the animals in captivity. Thank you for everything you do. Oh, the uprising at the zoo. Hell yes to that little <laughs> troublemaker. Okay. So how, first of all, I'm obsessed with, cause I was trying to do this progressive parenting thing where I let him make <laughs> his own choices. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. First of all, yes to blah, blah, blah. Okay. I hear you. I feel you on a molecular level with the blah, blah, blah. I also try to do the blah, blah, blah. And it feels very blah, blah, blah to me. But I would like to say to this parent, your blah, 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 trying to allow your kid to have their own vision and their own voice and their own instinct and trust it is effing working Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you thought it was just that like you're trying to take them to the zoo, even though you don't believe in zoos, but here they are showing up at the zoo and saying, F this, Mm -hmm. raising their little troublemaker hand 
asking yeah. the tough questions, asking the tough questions. <laughs> Your little one is looking at the zoo saying, I thought it would be more beautiful than this. Yes, I can imagine a truer and more beautiful version of this. And, and so that little troublemaker says the thing, excuse me, I'm having feelings. And then all the other toddlers are like, hell yes, I too was having those feelings. F this system. And we're all going to band together and turn it over. So the, the zoo becomes liberated. Yes to you. Oh my gosh. Yes to all of you people that are actually trying the yada yada. The blah, the blah, 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 blah. It's effing working, y'all. Keep it up. We love you so much. Ask the hard questions this week. Raise your little toddler hand. Do the blah, blah, blahs. Find the moments of ordinary and let the extraordinary take care of itself with your tiny little furry or scaled or feathered friends. <laughs> oh, we love you. We'll see you next week. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. Thank you.